1: This show is brought to you by
2: The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
1: What's up, everybody? This is another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. My name is Marek Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. As always, I am here with uh, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. I'm a little hungover, actually, right now. I think I got about three and a half hours of sleep. Um. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to answer your guys' questions. We're here to talk to each other about past weeks, struggles we're dealing with, and you all are dealing with Answer your questions. I just have a good time and catch up and collect uh collect i don't know what i was gonna say Collect not about it anyways uh yeah but i guess to keep you company while you're in the shop or on the commute uh we're here for you and we thank you for being here and listening to us uh, we're here for you here for
3: you
2: <laughs>
1: and uh yeah the dream team's back together and we're i think we're all in a little bit of a shabby shape um Maybe. Whoa, whoa, Craig, speak for, well, you Craig, two, Craig, you two
3: speak for
2: yourselves. All right, Craig. You <laughs> you started hungover. off then.
1: You're you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed.
3: <laughs> so you two are hungover bums today. So I know you're yeah. both struggling and feeling it. Um, me, on the other hand, I've just come back from the beach to do the show. So I'm I'm feeling pretty chipper at the moment. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm very irritating for you two.
2: <laughs> no, it's
3: fine. I just you know. You're I'm just hungover. gonna have to carry the show. I'm yeah. hungover as well. So oh, geez, but, okay. Let's let's work out. Let's work out who's the most hungover. Mareko, Let's start. Just well, uh,
2: just let's not let's not do anything rash. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's not like, dwell on it too much. Let's not do anything <laughs> rash. P.S. Uh, P.S. Even if two of the three of us are hungover, we're still better than all the flea bags who <laughs> did not cover for us last week. And they didn't listen to what I said. All right, so let's just back it up real quick, and we're going to talk about it in depth in the. After show, because I have some f- firm words to say to some of the goddamn assholes who, I mean, our fellow podcasting friends. <laughs> so last week we were off because I was in a Barcelona, Mareko was on uh, was on an amazing trip in in Hawaii, and we we put the bat signal. Out. If you want to try to you know run the show or do an episode, go ahead. I said, don't reach out to me, figure it out. And I got all these. C- crackpot messages after I said don't call me or on vacation I'd really like to do the podcast when can I do th-? four different podcasters all messaged me I'm ready to do the podcast figure it out we're going to talk about it later but you all <laughs> let me down Y'all and you didn't listen
3: he's cranky already
2: oh right. god there's going to be some. In? someone's going to get their <laughs>
3: ass torn up today hey, so uh, Rekha, why are you hungover what's going on
1: uh my sister came into town yesterday (laughs) and so that's what usually happens when she comes into town uh stay up too late drink a little too much eat a little bit too much good food um which all are first world problems really but um yeah i think i'm i'm rolling on about three and a half hours of sleep right now oh Oh. and And what uh, what was the
3: poison last night what red wine
1: Oh, okay. And so, uh, yeah, we started oh. about three thirty yesterday afternoon when oh, uh, we started prepping geez. and cooking. I think by the time uh, I went to bed, I probably had at least a bottle to myself. Um, that's that's a Tuesday yeah, night for Craig. I was gonna say over twelve hours. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting four or
2: five bottles. Yeah. That's a, no, that's a that's no. a Craig that's a Craig afternoon. I can do
3: that <laughs> in a podcast, quite
2: I'm easy. sure that's a
1: <laughs> <correct opinion. laughs>
3: uh,
2: yes yeah,
1: you can. that's not my ne- my normal. I'm I'm usually to drink and go to sleep kind of yeah. lately. Yeah. But yeah. Well, that that's why a- I'm hungover. What about you, Jeff? What's your what's your problem? Well,
2: Yeah. I'm I'm I got jet lag. Normal okay. mania and we had we my my daughter graduated high school and we had a high sc- we had a graduation party we've been planning for months
3: congratulations
2: and i had to cook for 75 people and then which was great i we worked it i saw i figured out all the food we're going to have and they ate everything was awesome but then our friends started bringing over bringing me tequila drinks and i'm cooking and drinking tequila and then all naperol spritz showed up and then a couple of pinekins showed up and and then we were cleaning up We're all, my wife and my daughter and I are sitting down. It was such a successful party. Everybody had such a good time. And then all of a sudden I got up and I was like, I think I'm drunk. And they were like, yeah, why don't you go to bed? So I went to bed and here we are,
1: you know. So Nice. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad I didn't mix it up like that because I would have been. I would have been. Uh, unable to do the show i
2: think i woke up (laughs) at six such a pussy these days (laughs) i me too dude it's it's not it's not easy anymore it's not Um, not easy
3: anymore it sucks but you know what i I had this conversation yesterday with my wife so lately i can't drink much anyway because it takes me out for two days afterwards i'm just you know i'm running at 10 percent for the next two days um but food has always been i've always been fine with food stuff myself rotten we went out Friday afternoon because uh, the kids weren't with us, and we stuffed ourselves rotten. All day yesterday, I was in pain, like a hangover, <laughs> like a food hangover. Um, so yeah, it is just a sign of getting old, I think, lads. That's it. We're all old.
1: Yeah. I'm getting old. Jeez. Well, it's we'll a hard thing that. to admit. How was uh, Hawaii? Hawaii was awesome, and I got to give a shout out to my wife for documenting basically everything. She did a great job Uh getting all these great photographs of the different stuff we went and did, beaches and historical landmarks and and food and markets and all the shit. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. And um, i, I got to also give a, a massive shout-out to Peter Swarsbert and Neil Commamore because they were both great hosts, uh, very generous hosts that helped take care of us uh, while we were there, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we saw a lot of great things.
3: Nice, nice. Weather, good weather?
1: Uh Yeah. So both of them live at high elevation locations on the island. Uh, Peter's at about a half mile above sea level. And Neil's about 1,500 feet above sea level. So it gets a lot of rain where they're at in both locations. Hmm. Um, where Peter's at, it stays pretty cool, um, around 70 degrees. But at Neil's, the humidity is horrendous. This time of year, because it's it's leading in the summer, and every day it's raining for at least two to six hours, oh, wow. and it's just, wow. it's a lot of rain, and so and then the sun comes out, <laughs> and so then all that moisture starts to evaporate, so it's like you're in a fucking sauna, um, wow. and you're wow, just yeah. like fully dressed, shirt, shorts, flip flops, and sweating your fucking balls off, but it was good, <laughs> it was still good. It's hard to complain except for those fucking mosquitoes um they love me and anybody (laughs) out there who they don't love and they totally ignore i i hate you um and so So what what
3: was the best thing you put in your mouth what was the best hey yo whoa (laughs) what kind
1: of fucking show is this i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'd have to think about that for a second nothing jumps to mind actually really quickly um I, I, we ate a lot of really great food. Actually, probably some of the best stuff we had was like shave ice over on the Hilo side uh, at this little shack uh, at the market. And it was like a strawberry shaved ice, fresh strawberry juice. Um, and uh, what was it? Halpia, which is like a, a coconut pudding uh, sauce over the top. And then a drizzle of lilikoi, which is a passion fruit glaze uh, on top of that. And that was wow. pretty fucking delicious. That sounded pretty oh, exotic. I thought of it. So when we were in Volcano, I had a friend uh, who used to live in Hawaii, his family owned a restaurant there, and so I was like, Oh, we should go to this restaurant, the Lava Rock Cafe. They done they happen to not be open Monday nights which I don't blame. A lot of restaurants, even here in the mainland, aren't open on Mondays because Monday's fucking slow. And we failed to look into that. I just assumed they'd be open. And so we went to five other spots. A couple were open, but they were insanely expensive, like $50 a plate, like a, like $30 for a cheeseburger and fries. And we're like, fuck this. And we found a little spot called Thai Thai, and it was a Thai restaurant. And... I had one of the best curries I've had in my life there. It was awesome. It was like a red red curry with peanut sauce in it, with beef and all of the oh, peanut sauce.
2: You said peanut sauce. Okay.
1: Sorry. Peanut. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> peanut. Okay, I got it. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. And uh yeah. I was good. Do
3: they have like a like a national dish there on the island?
1: Locomoco. No, oh, you
3: did say you did say before actually, didn't you? Yes, yeah. Uh No,
1: I don't know if that's there. Uh, it's they do a lot of like spam dishes and stuff like. They they honestly though they have uh I think like uh poi would probably be their their uh thing in Hawaii that they're known for. It's a starchy uh root vegetable. Um That you really have to beat the shit out of to uh, (laughs) make it edible, and even still, sometimes it's challenging to eat. Uh, eat. We did find a place. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) awful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's got all this stuff. Like if you ever saw the Matrix, and and uh, the what is it? Neo is first pulled out of the Matrix, and he's sitting in the cafeteria, like portion uh, the mess hall, and they're just like pouring out this glop, and they're just like. (laughs) <laughs> into a bowl and hand it to him. Um you know, Pretty I, much like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I appreciate the Hawaiian culture and all their history, but uh is still I I try it every time and I'm like, yeah, that's still not my thing. So, <laughs> ah, fair um, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Jeff,
3: Please. best thing you had in your mouth then while you were away. Oh my
2: god. <laughs> I mean, Barcelona is
3: the is the best. I mean,
2: I'm we're re- my wife and I are ready to move. It's like the Lower East <laughs> oh, wow. Side of Manhattan by the beach, by mm-hmm. like a tropical beach. Nice. And everything. I mean, I went up to my back teeth in jamón. I eat so much jamón, ibirico that it's like it's just ridiculous. And mm-hmm. the best thing, for no question, is uh, the first day I got to Barcelona with uh, Florentine kitchen knives. Tomer always takes me to see our chef Borja and Borja, this restaurant Ultramarinos Marine. Just, I mean, it was like omakase. Spanish food and it was like I mean it was amazing and uh, I put it all out on the Instagram so I, I what's the best thing? He did some cu- cured fish that were that were pretty unbelievable and the shrimp were amazing. He made this these like baby squids with garum which is like this Roman fish sauce that was unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, we had a great meal at, at Florentine. He had uh, one of his guys, uh, Ernesto, was the it sh- was a, was a cook, so he cooked for us, for the the parties. And we had um, we had two knife talk listeners there. David Butler, my man, David Butler, up in Ireland. He came down. He's a listener, loves oh, the nice. show. And then uh, Stuart Middleton, f- uh, New Forest f- uh, Forge. He came down too. So. The food was amazing. I'll tell you, you know, you guys were talking about the we we're talking about the humidity. One of the great parts of of Barcelona is they have an amazing beach, and you can just walk up and down this beautiful boardwalk. And the cool thing about it is, there's they, they Barcelona is great because it really is for the youth culture they really make sure that the youth culture is taken care of which is amazing like skateboard parks built in and it's just you know you could you volleyball everywhere on the beach and we just enjoyed walking up and down the beach And all of a sudden we see the sign and it says um nudists and non-nudists welcome on the beach so you know you you know you, you're, you're ready you're ready for the your tits out and we understand uh, you know europe they like to you know not a big deal. But there was this co-mingle nude beach, non-nude beach. So it could be you could be nude or not nude. Okay. And we
3: were having So this l- is where we get to the best thing you've had in your mouth, I assume, now on this oh, beach.
2: You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never mind. I was going to tell a story but you fucking totally derailed me. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, no. I was going to say I was going to say the greatest part of if you go to a nude beach, you're there to be nude. But if hmm. you go to like co-mingle you're looking for something <laughs> and you're you know it's kind of weird <laughs> i mean it's weird and the dudes with their dicks out they either have them they know they have a big dick or they think that they or they think that they have a big dick
3: well the dudes with little dicks wouldn't go would they let's i say saw
2: sure. one guy he was so small i thought it was a woman you know, it's no dick.
3: Well, you're having a good look. That's that's okay. Well, it was, you Establish, know... I mean, established I, that.
2: I was trying to... You know, I, I don't know about the Spanish anatomy very well, so it just seemed <laughs> as though... I need... So, but uh, what else? Everything was great. I mean, the food in Barcelona is Barcelona's the best. I mean, it's just like insane and i'm gonna go back next year we got I got invited to go back next year
1: Nice.
2: my nice. kid yeah, had an awesome right time nice. my wife had an awesome time tomer had a great time his family's amazing actually tomer's mother and wife made amazing food i had dinner with them and their family and the food was mm. they made amazing food so i ate well every every there was nothing i didn't eat that i didn't enjoy
3: good to hear nice good to hear okay well you're both you're both braving up anyway you sound as if you're you're back on track well shall we it. do some knife talk
1: sure Wait, i was gonna ask you craig it looks yes. like you've been playing some music lately what's that about
3: uh yeah a lot it's 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 you know it's summer seasons gig season so right. we're gigging sort of twice a week at the moment Ooh. um yeah so it's busy and we've got, um, we've got, I think I've told you in the past, we've, we've got like a big, big festival coming up. There's like 27,000 right. people there, you know? Um, so we're gearing up for this big festival show. And uh, it's been, I, I don't know if you guys know about Glastonbury. It's its a, it's a huge music festival. Yeah. There's like, mm-hmm. s- I think there's 73 stages this year. <laughs> it's Holy mass- shit. It's massive, massive. It takes like three days to walk around. Um, but that's been this year. So it's like taken over the TV. So they're showing all the gigs. And it's just, just got me super excited, ready for our festival show. Right. So so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So last night at Glastonbury, Guns N' Roses headlined. And um, it was live on TV. And I thought, I'm going to watch this because it, Let's face it; it could be a car crash. Axel is not looking the coolest at the moment, um, but they absolutely nailed it. It was brilliant. They played all the hits, um, and oh, wow. he was just rocking. His voice wasn't the greatest, but they, you know, he was doing it with confidence. With the smile on his face, and it was just the crowd were loving it. It was brilliant. Yeah,
2: oh. hey, I'm glad he kind of pulled it together and got back, got Slash and everybody back. It seems as though he's just like kind of almost matured too late.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know? possibly. Yeah, yeah. But I was expecting it just to be embarrassing, you know, the scene these old men trying to rock out on stage, but they were, yeah, they had it. And they brought Dave Grohl on for uh Paradise City at the end. Whoa, and nice. it all went off. It was yeah, it was pretty cool, it was pretty special. Dave yeah. Grohl's
1: great. I'm a big fan.
3: Yeah. Well they played at Glastonbury but they weren't announced. So they had um like the main stage there, it's called the Pyramid Stage, at like six PM. Um it was just in the in the lineup, they had a band called The Churnups. And everybody's like, Who the hell are the churnups? And um there's a bunch of bands that have you know reformed recently. Everybody's like, Well it must be one of these one of these bands like Blur or something like that. Mm. And um the Foo Fighters came on stage and the whole place went fucking mental, as you can imagine. <laughs> so they did they did an hour set and like Paul McCartney's there in the wings watching them and stuff. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool.
2: Wow.
1: Do you have a yes. Paul McCartney impression impression?
3: No, uh, a visual one. You wouldn't be able to see. Oh, it's basically <laughs> leaning back with your thumbs in the air. Basically, yeah. It's 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 visual. Yeah. Okay.
1: Do you, Mariko, Do you have a Paul McCartney no, impression? No, no, not at all. I just I feel like I've seen a few lately, and I was like, Craig's got to have one of these.
3: No, no, no. He's, the man's a genius. I'd, I'd, I'd be gentle on him anyway. I see. Okay. okay, let's do some knife talk. I mean, we're, we're 20 minutes in. We haven't talked about knives at all. We at also, all.
2: just besides, we still have uh, listener feedback, and we have uh, dumb things people say. <laughs>
3: okay, there's plenty of that. Okay. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Okay. Um, First question is from Navigator Knife Company or Navigator Knife Co. on Instagram. Um, And what they've done, the same as everybody else, they've DM'd us on Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast. Um, DM us your questions and we'll try our best to get to them. Um, Hey, guys, I make pattern knives uh, for leather workers. And I just had someone ask me to send them the digital design so they could bring bring it to another maker um, in Serbia. I told him I don't sell my designs, but he could order a knife from me, and then he'd have the design. Or should I sell him the design for four hundred dollars? I think he's saying. Uh, Got me thinking of the offset serrated reel, and all the makers asking for specifics. Have you guys had requests like this before? Hmm. Mm. I'll start with that one actually, because I do, I do sell my designs. um, At least for one of my uh, designs, which was the box cutter, Um, and it yeah, it sold quite a bit. So it's I think it's like five dollars five. Uh, euros, um, and you get the digital design. um, You know, so you can then get it laser cut or CADC or print it out and do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm surprised more people don't do that these days, actually. Um, I mean, I'm selling mine for virtually nothing, just to to see, you know, to sort of test the waters. Um, But yeah, I think if people are going to rip you off, they're going to rip you off anyway, so you might as well make a little bit of money from it, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But we see, yeah, I think I've sold quite a few hundred of those, you know, and it's one of those things, you don't do anything, it's all done automatically. People buy it, they get the email with the design attached. Um, super simple to do. So I'm surprised more people don't do it but um, is it something that you guys would
1: consider, uh, Morocco? Oh. Probably not in your case. Well, I mean, I designed knives for uh, Montana Knife Company for our friend Josh Smith. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think part of the biggest problem with uh, doing that was trying to figure out because I don't, I don't do design work for other people, and so trying to figure out pricing or how to like what is what the value of those designs are uh, was actually really challenging. Um, and I would actually be interested in getting your input, Craig. And obviously, I think you've done more stuff in the digital realm, um, mm. but it would be interesting to get your feedback on how people kind of it, because you could or it come up with a price point because you can it spend just a couple hours and come up with a really nice knife design and stuff like that. And so then w- what is that knife design worth? Uh, if, is it just a one-off or are there going to be thousands of knives being made from that uh, design? Oh, like what's the value of your input um, mm. uh, and your, I guess your expertise, which is part of the reason Josh came to me to help with designing culinary knives for Montana knife company. And so, um, yeah, I ch- I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it worked out fine, but it's still I'm still like, oh fuck! If somebody else tries to come up to me and do that, how do I how do I manage that? And yeah, and really I suppose there is a
3: risk because you, you don't want somebody then taking that design which they bought for you know a nominal amount, mm-hmm. but they're then churning out hundreds of knives. You know, as it's like part of their line. That that's that wasn't the intention of putting a design up online, but um, sure. Yeah, that 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 would be something. But that, that could get quite interesting quickly, couldn't it? Because you know, could they then sell that as a designed by Marek Mamasi knife? You know, it's right. yeah, it's a bit contentious. Maybe I don't. I don't, yeah, you'd have to probably word that quite carefully. Have some sort of legalism all around it. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Is this something that you would do? Something you'd consider? Um, I I I prefer not to. Um,
2: yeah. I think I, I've had people ask me to send them blanks that they could finish. But mm-hmm. it, it gets to the point where part of me, the only thing that I could think of is um, not the designing part, but the, uh, well, yeah, I guess the designing part is all of a sudden when you design something and we sell the design, is that person going to just try to say, this is a Jeff Fader knife?
3: That's the thing, yeah. yeah or
2: a Mareko Mamasi knife. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, because, you know, they're, they're there are people in these knife forums who go out of their way to make things seem like they're something that they're not. And I would, wouldn't would want to be in a position where there's this, you know, I all of a sudden get an email saying, Oh, I got one of these knives from this dude, and he says you made it, and I want you to fix it. Like, I don't want, it, I don't want my name involved with anything that's not something I'm involved in. You know, I just yeah, I think, right. and I don't mean to sound like a big shot or anything like that, but all of a sudden it kind of makes things on the weirder side. And I, I don't know, I, that's, that's an interesting concept. Now, if somebody wanted me to design, if some company like, you know, like what Moreco did, wanted to, 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 to me to design something for them, I, I'd be interested. But you're, Moreco's right, you got to like weigh out everything out and figure out what, the end result is and you know you've you got to do a contract to you know figure out what's going to happen in the future and, and you got to take it you should take it seriously you know
3: yeah yeah no i, I completely understand that. and obviously you know there's a whole uh past and experience that you've built up for them to somebody then take that design do a shitty do you not you say, yeah you're completely right and then
2: right. and then it's also the idea of like there, you're 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 all of a sudden, it's like somebody gets your design and they say, "Oh, yeah, Jeff and I made this knife together," and I don't even know this person. It's like mm. you're getting li- you're getting lumped in with could someone who is just like not a good person or 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 honest, and then all of a sudden you're always going to be linked with this flea bag, and I don't know. It's weird, you know.
3: Yeah, there's an association that's going to be made. That yeah, I got you. I mean, I, got
2: you. I may be hungover, but I mean, it seems like you know. <laughs> I don't want to be you, involved. You in may
3: these. be, or you are. I am on a on a scale of one to ten. How are we feel at the moment?
2: <laughs> i may, well, which is ten is like toes up or or
3: ten is ten is toes up, head down the toilet. Oh, yeah, it's, it's oh, I'm a,
2: a I'm a seven point five.
3: Oh, sweet, that's, that's pretty bad. It's not that bad.
2: I mean, you know, it's not that
3: bad. Seven point five, right? <laughs> okay. Okay um well i tell you what if you were going to uh design something and let's say you're working with a big company who are then going to make thousands of them or whatever it is or what is it's a one-off somebody wants to buy a design or you just want to do some design yourself online you could go to knifeprint.com you know that's i think that's quite a good user case for it um you can then download your designs and whether you want to sell them completely up to you um but what's really great about knifeprint.com it's it's cad in the browser uh no software to install um, you just sign up. You've got special tools in the browser to help you, uh, specifically for knives as well, the tools that they've got. Um, a really good sort of help center, education center. If you've never done any CAD before in the past, they make it super, super simple. Um, and then the great thing is once you've designed your knife, you can then either print off a uh, template to paper and then use that to cut your steel, or they'll cut it for you. Um, they'll get a water jet cut or laser cut. You pick the steel, the thickness, whatever you want. Um, and they'll ship it to you. So go take a look at KnifePrint.com, a really sort of good, unique service. And, um, yeah, we just come up with another user case for it. So go take a look, KnifePrint.com.
2: I've been hearing a lot of good things, the, the Dennis Tyrell videos on how, how to, to use KnifePrint has been very successful.
3: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they've started like a masterclass video series, um, and Dennis Tyrell's just done one as well. Um, so, yeah, if, even if you just you've, you just want to dip your toes in the water of, sort of, of CAD Um, computer-aided design, for those who don't know. Um, They've made it super, super simple. So, yeah, it's it's worth taking a look just for that, Mm knifeprint.com. Who's taking the next?
1: Uh, This next one is from Corey Eck, right? Sure. Have seen that right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, guys, uh, I have a question and a small request from you. My question is, what methods do you employ when forging to get your steel as straight as possible before going to grinding or heat treating I seem to always come up with a small warp somewhere in my steel regardless of how long I spend trying to make it straight and flat my small request is a condolence shout out to the family of Ken uh, from Ken's Custom Iron who recently passed away and he was a big help when I first started blacksmithing and bladesmithing I appreciate you guys and enjoy the weekly banter keep up the fine work condolences to Ken yeah, and his family definitely. yeah um what do you do craig you know when you're forging out a blade you spend you know all this time hammering that fucker out what do you do
3: i get like a rolling pin <laughs> and um, i put it down on a kitchen counter I, I mean i've got a fair bit of weight behind me so i put my weight over it and i just roll uh, and roll as a good ass the <laughs> that's a good ass answer right there. Rolling
2: pin. You didn't remember right, that uh, one. That's
3: that's the best the best way. A, a nice sort of so- soft wood generally works better. You do get less marks. Um, you'd, want your tool, you'd want your tool mark showing in the steel So that's, that's, that's personally what I do And you know what If, if it's finding a bit difficult you need to soften it up So put the steel in the microwave just for a minute or so <laughs> soften, it, soften it up And then roll it out That's the uh. best
2: answer That's the best forging answer you've ever given ever And <laughs> so it's good. actually very good You've got to make rolling pins four Blacksmith rolling pins yeah. For um, straightening
3: so. your knives Yeah, Yeah with
1: driftwood driftwood would work very well in that situation yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious uh, No, uh, Jeff do you have any I- advice yes um, okay um, Let's hear.
2: I think number one is take advantage of uh, uh, lower heats to straighten things I think take advantage of the normalizing cycles you can st- I always when I'm normalizing knives I'm always like looking at them because you still have enough heat that you don't have to hit it um, but you can kind of adjust it uh, and the other thing is is I saw I was watching uh, a, the Nick Rossi videos and what he does is oh no no it wasn't Nick Rossi it was uh, Jason Knight in the normalizing videos what he was doing was he every so often all right normalizing is you're you're, you're bringing it up to a certain temperature and then you're slowly slowly letting it um Cool down to prepare the steel for hardening, and he would put it in the in the his vice blade edge up, and then he would take a um, uh, a crescent wrench or a uh, adjustable wrench and just mm. kind of tweak it a little bit. Like you could see, see. you're always going to have little bows in the in the blade side, and he was you know taking advantage of the normalizing cycles and just slowly, slowly trying to repair them without doing a lot of, you know, giant manipulation.
1: I gotcha. Rolling yeah, pins too. Rolling pins. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, taking advantage of those final uh, heats when you're replenishing and kind of fine tuning uh, either the face or the profile of the knife, that's the time to get the straightening work done. Uh, and again, like Jeff said, with the, uh, in, in, especially in the normalizing cycles, um, because these, these, these adjustments aren't necessarily something that are are reducing the cross section of the blade in either direction. They're just small, uh, adjustments. Um, one trick I've been using, uh, let me back up. So I used to see people use like wooden mallets, uh, or rawhide mallets to hit a blade to help make adjustments and straighten things out. Um. Against an anvil, and that way it's not leaving marks, and it's not necessarily, really, again, cross sectionally uh, uh, reducing that material, but helping to straighten it out. Um, but something I've been doing is kind of the opposite, where I'll I'll use a hold down. I think it's like a gooseneck. What what are those called? Blacksmithing. Yeah, tool. Like uh, you put it in like the picture hole.
2: Almost, yeah, uh, a hold down. Or like a, it's like a dog. You know, like the, okay. one of those. Yeah, hold down.
1: Yeah. And I'll put, like, I I have, uh, right now I have a 2 by 8 that's maybe um, t- 10 inches long, 2 by 8 chunk of wood. Um, and I'll hold that down, and then I'll use my metal, my, my forging hammer. But again, I'm just using light taps and adjustments. And the reason I use the wood is because... Um, when that steel is coming down in heat and temperature from those normalizing cycles, I can make adjustments along the edge or along the spine, uh, and the wood has a little bit of give. If I work against the anvil, it's only gonna push that material so far, but when I'm working against the wood, the wood has a little bit of give, and so I can also kind of, like Jason's using the crescent wrench really, um, adjust along the edge or along the spine wherever I need to fix things. And again, I'm just using light hits and just kind of tippy tapping it, to straighten things out. But that's been really handy. Uh, I will say, because you're coming down from high temperatures, the wood's gonna catch fire pretty quickly. So don't get get caught off guard by that and have your hair hanging over it or something like that. Have, I
3: I generally grease my uh, my wooden rolling
1: pin. <laughs> easy, easy. You're, you call. I know you call <laughs> it your knob. So just call Whoa. it. yeah
3: generally, generally grease <laughs> grease the knob.
1: Yes, Yikes. Yes. Um but if you were worried about um uh, the the metal not or being too harsh you could also use like a wooden mallet or a rawhide mallet to do the same thing but working against the wo- uh the wooden surface has been really great for me in my finishing process of really kind of like getting those last little adjustments done before I go into heat treat uh and I actually do most of my heat treating as forged these days and things come out great um it, but I will also say I just used um one of the straightening hammers from Corin. Um and that thing was fucking amazing. It blew yeah. my mind how well that works to uh it's a carbide tip hammer um to straight work out warps and basically you hammer against uh say uh the cupped side of the warp. Um and it kind of spreads that material, and you don't hit hard. Uh, I think our friend Neil, <laughs> I found out he he found out the hard way. He, he hit it a little bit too hard and busted off a big chunk off the tip of a knife. Um, so yeah, you're just doing light little light little blows, and and it straightens the material out pretty damn nicely. Um,
2: hey guys, and- I make carbide tipped hammers too. Hey guys. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, hey, uh, who is that? that? That's Laren's favorite podcaster, hey, it's, right? It's me.
2: It's it's me, Kyle Daly. I make <laughs> carbide tip hammers too.
1: Oh, Kyle's a good guy. I Carl, saw those hammers. Kyle's actually, Kyle's
2: a please. good guy. We got We. I, this is a radio tease. I'm going to break his balls at the end of this show. Prepare yourself. <laughs>
3: All right. I've got a question regarding that, actually. Okay. So, um, you know, I know very little of, about forging, as I've clearly demonstrated <laughs> multiple times already. Um, let's say you're using a a power hammer or a press. Could you use like a like a just like a big flat die? So almost like you're using plates when you heat treat aluminium plates, and in you, your sort of when you suck the heat out, could you use dies that are that big? Then so when you've got your seal hot, you could you could just flatten with these huge dies. Would that work or
1: uh that could work. The weird things happen though to the steel as it's cooling down, which we all I think have experienced just in quenching a knife, even if it's yeah, stock yeah. removed, right? Um yeah. But most of the blades I'm forging, um, I, I think that could, sorry, let me back up. I think that could work great for a blade that's forged to profile. So it's the same thickness at the edge as it is at the spine and all mm. the way out of the tip. But when there's any kind of tapers involved, that might yeah, be yeah. a little tricky. And all of the blades that I'm forging have a tendency to have a distal taper all the way to the tip and down to the cutting edge. Yeah. And the other thing is, is, you know, when you're laying
2: either a power hammer or a press, whatever you're laying the knife down on it's going to be a heat sink right off the bat so you're you're not really
3: it's not immediately right so one side
2: once there's a especially if you're very very close to being being done you know it would be very easy for there to be some sort of it never
3: could you could make things
2: worse yeah yeah, well or just slightly or slightly you know
3: yeah yeah okay Okay, just a naive question.
2: No, dude dude, listen, we have naive listeners. So they need they <laughs> they, they need, I mean, we need to make sure they're all right. They're covered too. Fair enough. Okay, but the rolling the pin.
3: Next? That was good. That's that's the move. That's, that's the, the move, move, move,
2: the rolling pin. Yep. I bet somebody does that. I bet somebody tries it. <laughs> Dude, somebody do a video of using the it. rolling so, yeah. straight, rolling a rolling pin to rolling pin straighten the knife? I want to see a rolling pin knife straightened. <laughs> Jeff, you oh, want to get this? Oh next yeah. One. Oh geez, I lost my place. Um, okay, Koryak. Okay, Noah Rockland. Hey all, love the show. I've been binge epi- I've been binging episodes since I discovered it a few months ago question I know you've already talked about radius platens some already but I don't think this has been covered I hear I heard that a radius platen would build up so much heat compared to flat platens uh, as there's more friction is there a water cooled system essential for doing s grinds or is the heat that gets built up uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, not ba- or is the heat, <laughs> I'm sorry guys, is the water-cooled system essential for doing S-Grinds or is the heat that gets built up not too bad when you get it away without? Alright, so the question hmm. is, is Radius <laughs> yeah. Platins, do you need a water-cooled system for S-Grinds?
3: I think there's, there's two answers to that, really. Oh, so that- here it goes go ahead no. go ahead no it's good well, have i become the fucking joke no, of this you
2: show? Fucking no. after, i mean listen you're doing follow-up to rolling pins so we're racing ourselves go ahead
3: but okay so there's there's friction being built up even when you're not putting anything against the platen you know um the belt is just running so there's friction being built built up um when you're actually putting a blade against that platen i think there's more friction being built up on a flat platen because you generally, you, you've got a long surface that's being, you know, if you're doing a, you know, a flat grind, for example, it's a lot more material. If you're just edging a bit out, um, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> if you just if you just edging a bit out, there's less material actually hitting that platen as you would with a, whether it's a radius platen or you got like a, a like a big wheel or something like that. You're taking almost taking a chunk or a divot out of that steel, so you're not you're not touching as much steel. So in so I think there'd be less friction, you know, in use than there would be against a, a flat platen.
1: Mm-hmm. Am I right? Uh, I, so in my experience, using the uh, uh, radius platen. Mm. um yeah actually when you're doing the s grind uh or grinding that hollow it's it grinds cooler um yeah and i will say the the actual platen itself does build up a lot of heat uh mm. because it's protruding out from where that flat platen would normally be therefore more of it is definitely engaged but the, the concern about heat buildup in your platens is has more to do with your belt than the actual blade because no matter if you have a cooling system behind the, the platen um, your belt your, your blade is still going to get fucking hot from all the friction in grinding and cutting especially if you're not using like fresh belts that heat is still going to build up in your blade it doesn't matter if you have a cooling system i think a lot of people think oh if i have a cooling system behind my belt uh like a water-cooled platen that's going to help keep my blade cool and that's not the case um it might help a little bit but it's more about um uh, i guess kind of protecting or kind of um taking care of those belts uh, and, and maybe the heat transfer also that goes to the wheels i've had idle wheels, uh, especially rubber idle wheels, get really hot from s grinding because of that heat that's transferring from the platen into the uh, uh, down to that wheel um, and it it started melting the fucking wheel, but the blade was still grinding fine. Um, if you really, if you're trying to figure out how to keep your blades colder or cooler while you're grinding, a wet like a, a misting system or a wet grinding setup, like what Ben Kamon has, is gonna be uh, the move. But um, when it comes to radius or uh, water cooled platens, it's more. I've, for, in my experience, it's more about kind of. Taking care of that belt, but your blade is your blade is always going to build up heat unless you have water actually like cascading across the blade while you're grinding and that's like
2: water everywhere who needs that
1: I mean some people are into water sports oh don't don't oh. hate
2: don't hate don't hate
1: just put a towel down
2: are, okay all right oh, <laughs> you guys are unbelievable today <laughs> yeah. the, when when we were at at Florentine when we were grinding knives, there was one I'm noticed that sometimes we would. Oh, I usually with a flat platen. I always have a board by the grinder to, when I'm to rest it against to make sure that the the platen is in line with the wheels, so it's not sticking out. And every time um, the platen's sticking out, the corners touch. More of the of the belt than the this face does until mm-hmm. you know so the corner the top and the bottom of the platens were getting really hot because they are engaged mm-hmm. like you were saying completely yeah. with yeah. the platen. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Um, I'll, I mean, friction with belts. There's a lot more than just it's a fl- it's a radius platen. It's it's how fast you're going and the the size of the belt and 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 also how dead your belt is and there's so much more to it than here's. You know your 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 radius platen sticking out. It seems like there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the
1: fuck. I've I've never ran a water cooled platen in all of the time that I've made knives. There's a lot and of people who do. It's. I mean, no, and I think that's great and good for them. I'm just saying that I feel like it's not really. Uh, if if there's ever been an issue with the platen getting hot, it has nothing to do with the knife blade. It has more has had more of effect. On the belts.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Fresh belts are always going to help. They're always going to be better off with a fresh, fresh belt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And where would you get them from? Let me have a think. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Okay, Blades by Johnny. Um, hey, guys, I have a question for 8-inch Damascus chef knife. How thick would you leave the spine after forging with a distilled taper? Um, been having a hard time uh, gauging for thickness and forgetting about decarb and becomes too thin for what I'm uh, aiming for when I get through the decarb. I appreciate the podcast and everything you guys do. Uh, Mareko, probably one for you, that one.
1: Um, if you feel like you forged it too thin, maybe now that knife is a brute to forge knife. Uh, I usually try to account for like uh, let's see, in my in my chef's knives, the thickest part of the spine before it transitions into the integral bolster uh, is usually around a hundred and sixty thousandths of an inch, uh, which is just over an eighth of an inch. Um. And so, but when I finish forging, it's probably closer to two hundred thousand. So that's basically twenty thousand either side, um, either side of the knife, um, or around j- just over three sixteenths of an inch. Um, so that's that's what I go for. And then the edge you have to leave thick, anyways, because uh, y- you don't want to forge it all the way to thin, because then you're gonna have some issues in heat treat and cooling, which we kind of discussed earlier. Um, along the edge, I usually try to leave uh, the knife edge at least a sixteenth of an inch thick um, when I'm going to straighten to heat treat. Okay, makes
3: sense. Okay, anything to add, Jeff? No. Okay.
1: No. <laughs> That's <Okay>. right. <laughs> he wants to still be done us. as soon as possible. Actually. No, I, no,
2: I, you know, <laughs> but just to let you know, we still have listener feedback and dumb thing people's. people's. Okay, episodes.
3: let's let's have some feedback then.
2: All right, guys, listen, if you want to leave some feedback, good feedback, you can go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. And if you're listening to this and saying, yeah, I really love the show. You guys mean so much to me. Go on where you listen to podcasts and leave us a nice review, please. Okay, okay. all right. First one comes from Anvil Works. Anvil Works. Not complaining. But nights in my shop just aren't the same without you guys. In case I don't, uh, in case you don't hear it often enough, I want you to know we miss you when you're gone. Grateful for everything you've uh, given us, makers through the podcast. Looking forward to the next episode during uh, the next episode to drop next week. Hope you three are having a great time. Meanwhile, wishing you all the best. So hmm.
3: we took a week off. A week. What's that? You've probably taken three weeks off in what five years? Well, probably more Maybe. than
2: that. But at the same time, it's like you know, we we all we did was say if some flea bag podcast wants to take over a week, <laughs> and you know, have a little bit of inner fortitude and do something instead of like,
0: well, well, what should I do? I want to take over for the week, and I'll I'll do it. I'll do it.
2: Jesus Christ! Well, I'm gonna just say it right now. Here's the problem. None of you fucking guys listen. I said don't contact me and you contacted me Number two is if you if if it were me, I wouldn't start saying well, what should I do now? what should record an episode and then Try to get a hold of Craig and then if he you can't get a hold of Craig But here's the funny thing if you want to be a professional broadcaster or something similar do the show. Do your version of Knife Talk. And if you can't get a hold of Craig, you can't get a hold of us, and it doesn't work, put it on your own fucking podcast and call it Knife Talk. I would be much more impressed than, well, what should we do? Fucking do it. Do a show. Be a, be. you know, be a problem solver, for Christ's sakes
3: we make it look far too easy that's the problem
2: well i mean all you could i would have i would be very very i would i would be if you decided to do your episode of knife talk on your fleabag podcast i'll i'll salute you but i mean figure something out you don't have to like you know and meanwhile kyle Let's do, fuck it. Let's go into Kyle. So (laughs) I wouldn't, last episode, last, last, last episode, Borekko said, oh, by the way, Kyle, you know, Larry Thomas wrote to Kyle and said, you're my favorite podcaster. I would never have known and congratulations, nor would I have cared, frankly. God bless Kyle Daly and, and whatever his podcast knife perspective. If you're his favorite podcaster, he only does one episode a month. I mean, I mean that's professional podcasting. All right, God bless you. I love Kyle. Kyle's a friend, but then he had the nerve to do a reel, showing the 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 showing that Laren Thomas had written in his book uh, to Kyle, my favorite podcaster, and tag be in it, which is so obnoxious because it's just like what congrats, What am I going to say? <laughs> What am I going to th- say? I so, think that you know, might be
1: my fault. I told him no. to do that. I'm pretty sure.
2: Well, fine. It, you know what? <laughs> you know, good. I mean, perfect. And then you know, I, I, but it doesn't bother you,
3: does it? Well, it does, <laughs> I mean, I, you know,
2: here's the funny thing. Your voice is, has gone up by three octaves. Here's the. I'm hung over and jet lagged, and I also were trying to, I, like I said, we're trying to run a podcast here, and I need a little bit of content too. But the funny thing was. These two knuckleheads, Larry Thomas, too knucklehead. He gets into my DM saying, "You know, I had a, I got a screen cap. Oh, you know, I'm just kidding. You know, you're my favorite podcaster. You." And I'm like, "Yo." You can't say it to everybody. I know what you're doing. And then I said it to, and then Kyle, the spineless fool, gets back into my DMs and he goes, oh, you know, what? just, I love you, man. I just, you know, you guys are like, well, I don't know why you keep me in your fucking, in your fucking stories. It's hilarious. Playgr- playground, are you still my best yeah, friend? Yeah, yeah, I, I love you, man. I just, don't, don't be good, good. Good. I want to hear the Laren and uh, and Kyle show, but there was none because you didn't record anything. Guys, do your episode of Knife Talk. Don't leave me out of it. So there's my listener feedback. There we go. Okay. Nice. (laughs) Sorry. That was a little (laughs) bit off the
1: chain. I will Uh, try to help remind people. We have a massive backlog uh, of episodes uh, starting all the way back when Craig was flying solo for the first, what, year and a half, two years? Yeah, yeah, about a year, I think. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I think we're coming up to 300, maybe 400. I think it's 300 are coming up to, episode. Yeah. You mean
2: once a week, we do a good podcast once a week? Is that what you're saying? Once a week? Unbelievable. Wow. We got a lot in there.
3: <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have
2: thought? Yeah. Now, I have a nice, I, our friend Custom Cass uh, wrote a big long one. We were talking about why last episode we were talking about coffee etching versus wine etching. You know, we were talking hmm. about me. Can you do wines? Hmm. And he wrote yeah. me, "We're going to get through this." Uh, so, custom cash. Uh, we're with you. Uh, coffee etch from a chemical perspective is quite fascinating. Coffee itself is highly acidic, caused by tannins. Humic acid and fulvic acids. I don't know if fulvic is a real thing, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. These natural compounds produced by plants and play complex biological roles. I think the action here is twofold. They are indeed acids, but uh, probably slow etch gives just part of the story. That's why you often get better results by using real ferric uh, etch first. These compounds in nature also play an important role in the metal binding complexing Keeping metals in and out of the biological chain. I think we uh, there is this secondary action which comes from etching. These tannins are great dyes too, and we don't need to tell knife makers about coffee stains. Uh, We'll probably also selective bind in material in metals and uh, porous etched scaffolding that they created. Uh, Combine this with uh, polishing and waxing, and you have a great matrix with a porous etched base layer, metal bonding colorants, metal powder, and a wax. Uh, for a good coffee etch,
3: science baby. Wow, yeah, wow. he's
2: a science guy. Yeah, wine I, I, would probably work too, but the alcohol might interfere oh. as it neutralizes. Storing coffee will oh, probably indeed lessen uh, lessen the activity. Tannins are biodegradable, and as soon as mold is visible, you can pretty be sure the significant part of the digested natural biology. All right, I got you. Custom cash. So
3: okay, okay. so maybe wine wouldn't be so good. He's saying,
1: okay. I don't know.
3: It makes you feel good, though, hey, Mareko.
1: Yeah, hey. I'm feeling great. So, I'm feeling so good. <laughs> uh,
3: well,
2: Magic, Magic knives says, uh, Hey, guys, here's some feedback about the heat treating from uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, as it turns out, Jeff had the answer. After heat treating a new blade as well as the original using standard aluminum plates, the blade came out bendable again. Oh, we were talking about uh, AEBL, I think, and how I was saying that sometimes you heat treat AEBL and then it still bends. Uh, however, I did some cold treatment on them, and they came out hard. Uh, so it exe- uh, it seems a little uh, a little cold can really help things get hard. Uh, who'd have thought? Thanks, guys. Hmm. Uh, oh, Jesus, sorry. <laughs>
3: talking, talking about the cold, those guys in Canada—they get a cold in the winter. But you know what they do get? Great deals from Supply dot com. That's a bit tenuous, isn't it? Um, They've got everything there. Maritime MaritimeKnife Steel belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns. Basically, anything we advertise on this show, Lawrence makes sure that they sell it there at Maritime Knife Supply. Um, belts are ten percent off if you buy a pack of ten. They're you know distributors of of uh, combat abrasives, all the good stuff. Go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply dot and their Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram too. Have a look. Okay, any more feedback from our lovely, lovely We audience? do, but I feel like
2: maybe we should get into the dumb things people say. Um, okay, yeah. Dumb things people yeah. say. This is from our friend of Falcon Knives AK. And basically, it's stupid things people say to you at a knife show or at a convention or it's usually knife-related or something like that. Um, Plumly Knives says uh, stupid things people ask you. When they want to know what metal you use for your knives, whenever I get this question, I usually say high-carbon steel because most people don't know anything about knife steels. Uh, there are people who don't like that answer and want to know what steel I use, so I'll tell them the names of the steel. Uh, then they'll get this foreign look on their face, and I ask, uh, and then they ask, is that a lawnmower blade? Or uh, or the occasional person will ask if it's the same as mild plate steel. I know people don't know, but it annoys me to have to explain What is good knife steel and why uh, it's good for them just uh, to be disinterested in the answer that they thought? Mm-hmm. This is the problem. It's like we have this niche community where we talk to each other and we say words like heat treatment and we say these things and we assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And then all of a sudden you got like, you know, some schmuck from down the street who <laughs> wants to know about, you know, hey, can you make this knife out of this rebar I found in the ground? And it's like, yeah, not really. Well, why not? They did it on Forge and Fire. And it's like...
1: Bays, and it was the best but, knife in the world.
2: Yeah, no. People use words like, "Oh, uh, well, what's the what's the metal you're using?" You know, as soon as someone says, "What's the metal you're using?" It's just like that's this. That's when it's that's when it's like, "All right, you've played your you played the wrong hand here." What's the metal? Yeah, you you, that's what. Um, I was actually years ago when uh, I was with John Ariani, Cliff, and Jesse and Carrie. We were doing the 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 um maker fair, and this guy was like just chirping at me. And, and I could tell that he was, did, had no idea what he was talking about. But then that's when he says, that's exactly like, well, you know, what, what's, the, what's the metal composite of what you're forging? And I'm just like, OK, now we know we, you've exposed yourself as being an idiot. So <laughs> uh, when the people say metal, that's usually. How, mu- how much metal? Yeah,
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app.
3: 70% metal in this so place, what's the yeah. what's like, the so, so good sausage what's
2: the type of metal you're using for that knife as soon as they say metal you know yeah. they played the wrong hand
1: wrong hand <laughs> copper it's yeah I mean it's like, yeah.
2: yeah people what's forget the, uh,
1: copper and brass and bronze and nickel it's like those are all metals too oh yeah <laughs> you know the
2: metal I use for my steels. as soon as they say metal it's like you're out. You're out. Completely. Out. Oh, but speaking of, you know, hilarious. So when I was in Barcelona, I, there, my family left and um, I was t- teaching last class and I was in the hotel room and I was just like, well, let's watch some TV. The only show I couldn't understand anybody. I watched a little bit of indoor soccer, which is weird. It's like in a basketball court. Mm. But then the only show I could watch that I kind of knew what was going on was Fortune Fire. I ended up watching <laughs> two episodes of Forge and Fire in Spanish. And the crazy yeah. part is, you know, you see guys you know. I saw Grizz was on it and all these guys. And I'm just like, I don't need to know. I know what's happening. You know, you can tell what's happening. And it was funny. That was the first time I've actually spent time watching that show. It was in Barcelona. Very funny. Mm. In a marathon going. All right. So, Bayes Blade Work says, Dumb things someone has said to me to show at Blade West after picking up a Brute to Forge chef knife... The guy goes, there's some pitting here. You really need to make sure you sand out all the marks before selling the knives. <laughs> the same guy stopped at the next table. The, ta- the same guy stopped at the table next to me and shaved hair off his arm Ooh, with their uh... blade and blew the hair onto their table. <laughs> 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 that is some fucking oh flea God. bag shit
3: that's a move of oh my off. god
2: wow yeah it's like it's like uh tinkerbell springing you know putting them with a the pixie dust Fuck. <laughs> you're gonna start seeing
1: knife makers with dust on their tables
2: that's gotta be the new th- that's gotta be the you have to figure out a way to like you know when you blow a kiss you ever see someone blow a kiss that's the gotta be the new like knife makers blowing the kiss is blowing the arm hair off <laughs> something like this is fucking <laughs> gross <laughs> you really need to get the pitting you got a lot of pitting here on this brute to forge knife <laughs>
1: I think the trick would be uh, a beat, beating them to the blow, so you... Blow the hair off their own arm <laughs> onto their I mean, on face, <laughs> right into their face. <gasps> Give me my fucking knife back, idiot! Yeah, what are you doing? Why do you need to
2: shave your arm anyway? That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like you have. Are you a swimmer or something like that? Are you, are you, what are you doing? Can you imagine? Yeah, unless somebody, Michael Phelps walks, somebody just pull their pants down, and started <laughs> to shave their pubic
1: hair.
0: Manscaping.
2: Can you imagine the fucking look on everyone's face Let's see how sharp this is. Zip down. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it would be the most. You do that like at a mix at a
1: co-mingle nude beach, you know?
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe.
1: <sighs> so when I was when I was going to Blade <laughs> Show in Atlanta from Seattle to Atlanta, you know, you going through TSA and they have you your wallet out and your phone and all that shit and I forgot my belt and so I'm like all of a sudden my brain like is just white noise i'm like fuck! i gotta get my belt off and instead of just taking my belt off i start to undo my pants in <laughs> the airport and then i like i'm like looking down and i'm like what the fuck am i
2: doing <laughs> you took your, you to take your pants off <laughs> i started That's to
1: serious. and i was like oh my god i am so um, out of it right now
3: and I then i'm like so buttoning my pants back up oh for sure yeah
1: I wonder how far somebody's gotten before they're like, Whoa, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? Put your (laughs) clothes back on. (laughs) We can see through them. Don't worry about it.
2: (laughs) Soren Smith says, Here's some stupid things people say. I wasn't at a knife show, but I was talking to some friends, and one of them said that stock removal is way superior to forging because once you touch the steel with a hammer, you change the grain structure and ruin the steel. (laughs) Jesus people are crazy
3: they got a point (laughs) (laughs) they got a point (laughs) well i mean they're factually correct what they're saying aren't they yeah you know you're changing things but you're not changing them for the worse, right i mean
2: all you need to do is really use the rolling pin and then
3: you don't have to worry about the grain structure just roll it back out gent gentle with that rolling pin as well i want to
2: see someone roll use a rolling pin on on a hot knife so bad now um (laughs) <laughs> Speedster stove says greeting gents, stupid people think stupid things that people say at you at a market or a knife show or such I a person I know but not really well when they saw me at a collector's event said a side gig side gig making you a millionaire yet <laughs> whoa oh, jesus asshole thing to say what a put down Jeez. people I, that's the the weird the interactions people have are so unnecessary, but they're mm. not even funny like it's bizarre no. it's just like why would you what's the it's just such a they're trying to inflate
3: their own ego that's all they're trying to
2: do it's this strange manipulation it's just like so unreasonably and unnecessary mm. um then the guy says <laughs> looking at one of my knives he said what's this pacamacus pa- pacamascus both disrespectful and racist and just outright rude Pity the authorities frown on you. Once uh, he, he says, "Pity the authorities frown on you for garroting people."
3: <laughs>
2: and then, uh, last but not least, our friend Legacy Blades NC, old Jared says, "My wife was recently astounded that someone who is barely an acquaintance asked if they could come over and have me show them how to make knives." I told her. People actually ask me this all the time, and she thought it was the weirdest thing. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. people, other uh, makers asking questions or doing hammer-ins. just random people who want to check it out by inviting themselves to my house. What do you guys think about this night uh, about knife making that gets people's res- this response out of people? I feel like it's kind of uh, unique to this craft. I have my own theories, but I'll keep it brief. I'm conscious of your thoughts. I'm curious of your thoughts always. Thanks, Jared.
3: Hmm. I think there's two ways. So there's the people who are in the industry. Um, and I think maybe maybe they listen to the podcast and maybe they, you know, people think they know you and, you know, and, and all the rest of it. And they think, oh, would you mind if I, you know, come over? Um, and there's people who aren't in the industry who think maybe it's not a real job. They just think right. it's just a, a hobby, a bit of fun that you do that. No, they wouldn't mind showing me. Um, so, yes, I think it's, it's one of two reasons. But, yeah. Both a bit weird, aren't they, really? Sorry. Oh, smell that
1: one.
2: <laughs> oh You know, God. you make a good point um, that I think that people generally think that what we're doing is not a job. And they think that we're just so thrilled to have people visit that we would have love to have somebody stop by. I get still to this day people say, I'm gonna come over and make knives with you. No, they don't ask me. They say, I'm to come over. I want to come over and make knives with you. And I'm just mm. like doesn't really work that way i don't i usually just don't answer but yeah you know yeah
3: and i think i don't think it's it's limited to just you know what we do making knives and i know jeff will balk at me say you know any sort of art but people generally think any sort of creative endeavor isn't isn't you know a valuable it's not a serious job you know um which which bends my mind because all i've ever done i've only ever done sort of creative stuff but, yeah, people who work, you know, for the man or people who work in an, a normal sort of nine-to-five, a lot of them don't see it as a job. They think you're just fannying about, you know? Mm. Fannying about. What's fannying, fannying about? about. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's, yeah. Fanny doesn't translate to the, the American right. audience because you have fanny packs, which you wear b- behind on what you call your fanny. Now, we wear fanny packs at the front on what we call our fanny um <laughs> that's that's one way that's one way to say it so so yeah so a fanny for us is is um a lady's front bottom should we say front lady's bottom vagina. Front ah bottom. the vagina so but you would call a fanny your ass you ah you know oh oh i just fell on my fanny which, <laughs> which would make any british person piss themselves laughing um but um yeah, it's That's always the first yeah, thing but-
1: I exclaim when I fall on my ass. I fell on my yeah, fanny.
3: I just fell on my fanny. <laughs>
1: There's actually
2: a uh, a restaurant opened up, uh an Ecuadorian restaurant, uh and yeah. it was it's uh I guess the chef or owner's name is Fanny. And it translates basically the the delicious food, uh, the, a food, a deliciousness by Fanny something along those food lines the, so it's like food the, from the, fanny. the delicious fanny okay. is basically what it says
3: <laughs> which reminds me of a pack of the crisps that i saw this week
2: oh um, god i saw that too you said it to me Ugh.
3: yes um yeah vagina flavored crisps uh, which which are a thing oh my god i yes. heard about Anyways.
2: those what a stupid what about. a waste of energy yeah if you're the yeah. printing guy and they're like hey we have this great idea for this packaging and was wondering if you could you know knock some out what is it Oh, vagina-flavored potato chips. potato chips! I'm like, what? What are you talking All right, if you're going to pay, I'll make it. Don't, just don't let any of the kids in while we're making them.
3: <laughs> Quite true, yeah. Jesus. So, so fannying about is not taking things seriously, just, just messing about. Oh, you know? okay. Um, which, yeah, which I think a lot of people who don't work in any sort of creative industry at all, they think that's what creatives do. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. And whether that's the generational thing, I don't know, because generally older people, you know, they don't see you know, going to work and sweating for seven hours a day, they think that's real work and anything else isn't work, which I find very bizarre. But hey.
2: Anyway. Question back to the name Fanny. Are there any are there any people are there any people in the UK named Fanny? And if they are, is it uh,
3: there's a very famous and possibly one of the one of the UK's first sort of celebrity chefs she had a tv show back in i believe the 50s and 60s called fanny craddock and um yeah people would cook with fanny which was a, which was a thing which, which is hilarious <laughs>
2: there is uh there was someone that we had heard of <coughs> in the school district <coughs> that we're no longer part of thank god <coughs> because you know graduate and there could have been a name where it was pronounced vaginet.
3: Oh. The
2: first name. So that would be the name.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here in France, oh, what, 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 this is pussy talk now. What have we come to? <laughs> here in France, the um, vagina calls the vagine. Um, but um, Vigine, there's a lot of people called Vigine. And um, I often get my A's and I's oh, wrong boy. When I'm doing my fran- French. And even call people like, call somebody a vagine, which yeah, isn't isn't the
2: nicest thing. Just uh, one more thing, as a as a as someone from the UK, when the James Bond movie Octopussy came out, was it as shocking to yes. you as it was to most Americans that they were allowed to do a, a movie,
3: a famous James Bond movie called Octopussy? As a kid, "pussy" wasn't a word that we'd use, but it is now. And I think I think maybe it's a French, uh, sorry, uh, an yeah. song that we know, we've now adopted. But um, as a kid, no, I didn't. I didn't think it was a it was a funny thing. That
2: was a, a shocking thing, thing. really. Oh, I mean, it was. I mean, it might as you know, yeah, it would have been like you know James Bond in the new movie, Dick and Balls. I mean, it would be. I
3: mean, it, I mean, it was just as crazy, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of these sort of Americanisms and Britishisms, they now, where we have like our TV is basically international now as everybody watches Netflix or whatever it is, we're losing those. You know, we've all adopted a similar language, but um, it's good to see Fanny is still sticking in there. That's what she said.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I I do like how British uh, terms are so much, they seem so much more like cute or polite. Like fanning about where (laughs) in the United States we'd call it, so you'd say somebody's just jerking off. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which is obviously a lot, jerking of off. A lot yeah. more that's crass. A, that's a good one. That is super crass, yeah. but it is very good. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing over jerking there? Jerking, up jerking
0: up off? There. <laughs> <It> just <laughs> oh, works. just fanning
2: about. Yeah, fanning about isn't as good as jerking off. I mean, jerking <laughs> off is way it's a way better expression for not doing anything. You, and Because yeah. it's also it's got the humiliation part of it. Fanning about, do you yeah. do, 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 fanning about. But this guy's yeah. sitting on the calls, corner jerking off. You call somebody a
3: jerk. Ju- You'd call somebody a jerk-off, or we'd call them a wanker. It jerk-off's mm-hmm. good, too. And, yeah, yeah. And oh,
2: yeah, God.
1: Strange. Did you guys know, do you guys know the origins of the word pussy?
2: Enlighten us.
1: No. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a Latin term, comes from a Latin term, uh, which is pusillanimous which when you break it down uh, to pusillus and animus, pusillus means small, and animus means of uh, means spirit, so together the term means small of spirit or weak or a scaredy cat basically and over Ah. time it is shortened become shortened to pussy but the full term is pusillanimous so So you can call somebody a a pussy oh sorry
3: as in weak it's only called somebody a pussy as in weak that's the original meaning of it nothing to do with genitalia or whatever well okay Wow, look at look this. At Every that. day's a school day on night. You day.
2: know what? Let's go out. You know, you, you and your friends want to go out and look for some pusillanimous. I, know, I
3: understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, t- I tell you what. I need to tell everybody about Texas Farrier Supply. TexasFarrierSupply.com. Um, they sell everything, too. Whether you're a, a knife maker, a bladesmith, or a uh, whatever you want to call yourself. They've got everything. Um, what's the word I was looking for? A farrier. Farrier, it's in the name, Texas Ferry Supply. Um they've got everything you need. Um go take a look. They also stock Indasa rhino Wet, which is the the sandpaper of champions. Um so go there, fill up your basket. Um you get 50 10, oh, 10 or 15. I can't quite remember what is it.
1: Uh, I think it's 10.
3: 10. Yes. Okay. 10% <laughs> off your your entire order. Um, if you use knife Talk 10 as a promo code. So go take a look, texasfarrowsupply.com. They've got everything you could possibly need and make sure you fill up the basket with that in Dasa Rhinoet. It's going to save you time, save you money. Okay, then. Shall we go back to a few more questions? Yes. Okay. Um, JD Forge um, I had a question. I made some wrought iron in 1084 San Mai. Uh, made a smaller full-tang knife. Heat treatment went well made a larger hidden tang, but it cracked along the spine in the 1084 core. The only thing I did differently was that I left it in a vise uh, while my even he'd cooled off to temper. Uh, was leaving it in the vice overnight the bad move. Um, that was JT Forge. So we left it in a. he put a hot knife in the in a vice to hold it, I assume, because it was hot, didn't have anywhere to put it, to put it in a vice to cool down. Um, and it was the next day he was going kind to of temper by the looks of things. Um, what do you think? Was that, was that Was that the cause, do you think?
1: I, I would say yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- when you harden the knife, it is under a lot of stress. Um, sometimes you can get away with it. And I, I think, honestly, often... I, I've even gotten away with hardening a knife and then leaving it overnight. But when you have... Uh, a cladding material on the outside of it, and the sand mine, in this case, is wrought iron, the wrought iron doesn't transform like the core material does. What I mean is uh, transforming from austenite to martensite when it's quenched. The, the, the wrought iron just cools down. And so that core steel is still under a lot of stress and still transforming, actually. Over time, it's it's much slower, but it's continuing to transform. And so that that core, uh, when the steel transforms to martensite, it actually um, the material I believe it expands. the The way the structure is organized, it actually expands slightly in in shape. and And that puts the lattice when the core material is moving, but the cladding is not. That becomes a problem. And that's where these zipper cracks will occur in stainless, sorry, not stainless, but, um, well, also in stainless, but in sand, my material. Um, And so that is definitely something to take into consideration. I've had it happen, honestly, in just straight all like hardenable carbon steel. Um, I had a knife. It was uh, 50 to 100 core with a 1080 and 15 and 20 uh, jacket on either side and just because of the difference in how they harden um the the jacket on the outside was constricting because it hardens faster than the core that also caused a lot of stress in that core material the 15 and 20 or sorry the 50 to 100 core uh transformed slower and it it caused stress cracks along the spine of that knife especially in the thicker cross uh, thicker cross section uh, in the bolster and so Thinking about that transformation is something to take into consideration when you are, especially working with sand mai, um, because bad things can happen really, really, very easily.
3: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, who's taking the next? I'll take the next one.
1: Um. Wait. We, we did blades by Johnny. Did we do Colton Hampton? We're um, on wood, Al Woodworks. Oh, where's we You want me Al, to get it? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: What's the difference, This is from Al Woodworks. What's the difference between tamahagane, woots, oceanagane, uh, oro, oroshigane, and crucible steel? Are they the, the same thing?
1: They are not the same things. You want to take it, Craig?
3: Um, they're spelled very differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't have. No, uh,
1: wouldn't have uh, Yeah. So the process for making, oh, gosh, oroshigane. Uh, somebody'd have to look up aroshigane, but I know. So tamahagane is the, the Japanese uh, way of smelting steel in like a, a giant chimney. Uh, they mix uh, iron-rich sands or ores of some sort in in with charcoal, and they basically just melt it down. Um, and then the process for refining that is literally by breaking it apart and to, and to because it comes out of, uh out of the smelt as a giant what's called a bloom which is like this giant spongy rock looking kind of thing but that you, you can't make a knife directly out of that um you have to break it up into smaller pieces flatten them stack them and kind of like homogenize them and that's where uh especially in japanese traditions and the swords they get that those multiple you know like millions of layers um from folding and basically homogenizing that material. Um, And then, what was the other one? Oh, woots. Okay, so woots and crucible steel are the same thing. Uh, Woots is a crucible steel, which means a steel that has been put into a crucible um, and melted down and it becomes what's called an ingot, which is basically a puck of metal, of steel. And then that is carefully forged out into a bar, and then from there, um, it's forged into knives and swords and whatever else. Um, And so a roshigane, I can't remember what a roshigane is off the top of my head, but it might be, so when tamahagane is made, um, the carbon is not evenly distributed throughout the whole bloom, um, that giant like melted blob at the bottom of this, of the smelt. some of it is really high in Uh, carbon content like cast iron levels and some is Really low, like mild steel levels, and that's part of also the reason they break up the blooms is because they're trying to kind of separate out what's what, and then they carefully com- recombine them and then put them through the forging process. And so the roshigane might be kind of like the mild steel aspect of the tamahagane melt, but I think tamahagane is the umbrella term, and then it breaks down to roshigane and some other gane. I can't remember what. I think gane means steel. Hmm. Um, and so there's that.
3: Wow, dropping all the knowledge in one episode. Okay,
2: and you knew the um, definition of pussy, so it's like exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, exactly. Yeah, we span yeah. the, the, the origins. Sp- the origins. Fine, but you you you've really just to let our listeners know, we span we span the distance between complete juvenile juvenility <laughs> juvenility, <laughs> totally juvenile to very serious. So. Exactly. You you pick okay. you take and pick what you want. Yeah.
3: Take it all. Yeah. I'm gonna take this next question from Colton Hampton. Uh, we'd missed in the list missed in the list earlier. Um, I've been trying to really push my edge geometry on my colouring knives, but about fifty percent of the time when I get a good thin edge that I'm happy with, I seem to lose the very tip of the blade in the hand sanding process. He said, Should I avoid the tip? Ooh, uh, in the lower grit stages of hand sanding, and not touch it until I'm at 600 grit. Uh, am I taking the too thin? Would you would you using stones help? Any insight would be helpful because having to reshape the tip when the hand sanding is almost done is extremely frustrating. So he's okay. Let me try and work out what he's losing the tip when he when he gets to the hand sanding stage. I'm guessing that he's maybe rolling that tip. So if you're hand sanding and you're not, you're not putting the blade down on something flat and whatever you're, you're doing isn't bigger than the blade, you could sort of roll off that tip, I suppose. By pulling the hand um, sanding
1: stick straight off the tip. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Okay. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing maybe that's what's happening. Um, and that's easily solved. I mean, just get a long piece of 2 by 4 and clamp your blade to that then put that in the vice. Um, but, yeah, I can't see why because uh, even if that wasn't the case and they were super thin – When you're hand sanding, it would still come down in a uniform way anyway, Mm -hmm. and you just have this super, super thin edge. Um, So I'm guessing you're rolling that tip in some way. But yeah, the easy solution to that is mount that blade onto something longer than the actual blade is. So when you're hand sanding, you just come off in a straight line. You're not not falling down and and destroying that tip in any way.
1: Uh, My guess is that he's getting a little too aggressive and spending too much time out at the tip, probably more than is necessary um i know i've definitely done this myself so don't feel bad about that (laughs) um now when i handstand my blades i do like up by the spine and the main body of the face but along the edge and out at the tip those like if i'm at 220 i'll scrub everything else and then leave those for very last so that i'm only doing what i need to do otherwise I, i i've in the past i've had issues with either along honestly over sanding along the edge because I've ground it to a really nice thin edge or, or out at the tip and basically just spending way too mindlessly kind of spending too much time in those areas that are uh, more susceptible, honestly to material removal because of their already thin cross section. So Hmm. I, I would just, I, I don't think you have to spend less time at the lower grits, on those areas. I think you just have to be more mindful when you're working in those areas so that you're not over sanding them because you still, you do have to work through that grit progression, um, but you only want to do what you need to do versus just kind of going after all over the place. So that's my thought. That's my thoughts. Mm.
3: Jeff? Anything on that, Jeff? Uh, I'm here.
2: I I was just, I was trying to think of something different to to say. And uh, a lot of it's, you know, I think about it, trying to be in a comfortable position how you have your 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 two by four or your file by vi- your your vice uh hand sanding vice you you're you usually have a, a slight angle and you're in a comfortable position and a lot of times you're you're putting it in a, a position where you lean on it kind of heavy and then when you pull that stroke out maybe you might be pulling a little bit too much off at the end but it's a lot of it's mm. how you do it and you know hand sanding sucks let's just face it no. and um i think we get a little bit too aggressive um when we when we, or get too comfortable doing it and then you start to i i think what Moreco said is awesome in terms of like being thoughtful in regards to how you're your hand sanding out and that's it, I don't really have much more to add.
1: Yeah, I'll add that yeah. lighting has really helped me. I have a little, uh, on my work hat, My on the bill of my hat, I have just a little clip light. And uh, it's just like this cheap thing that I got off of Amazon, but it's adjust. you can adjust the direction that it's facing. And that extra light, when I'm hand sanding, even though I have plenty of light overhead to see what I'm doing, that extra light has really helped me to know when I'm done in an area or when I've missed something. Um, because there's also nothing worse than getting all the way, especially with Damascus or something, Getting think you're all done, you go through your etching process, and as you're going through and getting that finish on there, you notice <laughs> there's still like a 220 scratch somewhere on it, and having to get back in and dig that out. Um, so extra light is not going to hurt, and those that kind of like adjustable angle clip lamp that goes on the bill of a hat um, has been a game changer for me. Uh, especially in regards to seeing what i'm actually doing and where i actually need to work because uh, you could be hand sanding in a spot and think you see something but it's there's actually nothing there uh, and that also leads to over sanding
3: yeah yeah but as i always tell my wife be careful when you get to the tap.
0: right Jesus. um
3: <laughs> dharma steel we haven't talked about our dharma steel build-alongs for a while no. have we um have you guys started
1: I have the steel in my. Come, this shop. is
3: like turning it. This is like turning in homework. <laughs> this a bit. Have you done isn't, your homework, guys?
2: Well, are, isn't the isn't the event in like September?
3: I know. Is it if September? If I thought it was November. Oh, it's November. It's November. It's, no, it's, it's November. Okay. Yeah, but if you want to win, you need to put the hours oh, we're in. We're not going to win. Jeez, I've started. We're not going to win. I've started. They're so, not going to let us win. <laughs> no, we don't know. We don't know. But maybe we should put them in. a not now, we can't honestly.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's the fix is I in if we win. Yeah.
3: Yeah, just like yours last year. Anyway, <laughs> Dharma Steel. Wrong.
2: You're not Dharma
3: Steel Lab or Dharma Steel AB, if you want to be pedantic about it, Dharma Steel AB on Instagram. Go take a look. You'll see the kind of stuff that people are making uh, when they're using Dharma Steel. Beautiful, beautiful stuff because they've got beautiful patterns. Um, and if you don't know what Dharma Steel is, it's a, it's a stainless Damascus, basically. Um, DharmaSteel.se is the website. If you take a look, if you register um, uh, to, to purchase and you use Knife Talk at checkout, I believe you'll get 10% off. Uh, but we were just talking about the build-along that we were doing. So it, unfortunately, if you haven't already got your steel for the build-along, I think it's too late. They have sold out now of that steel. Um, but we're all going to be doing, basically, our own take of a knife using the same piece of steel, the same, the same thickness the same size and all the rest of it so it's going to be interesting what happens there um there's going to be a winner and they're going to choose a winner and it's, it's all going to be great um but yeah go take a look at dharma um if you're looking for a special piece of steel for that special knife um or maybe it's not even a knife whatever it made jewelry anything anything you think you could make with it go take a look at dot <sighs> okay um let's do one or two more questions and then i suppose we, we'll head out the door okay
1: uh, where are we We're we at to to Josh of all trades. Uh, Josh yes. of all trades says, what's the best way to fix a blotchy or inconsistent etch on Damascus? Uh, for example, can the dark parts be stripped somehow and redarkened with coffee? Uh, thanks for the infl- insight. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Um, for me personally, um, I, if I'm having issues with the dark areas of a, uh, Damascus pattern, not etching either the way I want to or uh, inconsistently. Um, I've I use a rubberized abrasive. It's like a little sanding block, um, but it's it's rubber with uh, I believe it's silk. uh, It's either silicon carbide or alumina oxide mixed in the rubber matrix, and I basically use it like an eraser, uh, like you would use an eraser with pencil, but on the on the steel and it helps to evenly pull down the whole finish um, and remove the black um, and then I can go back in. Uh, I found that I like to work at the 320 grit which sounds really coarse um, but because it's in that rubber matrix it's not really like grinding in it's a really very passive um, sanding action, so it, it it'll still leave like a nice like 800 grit kind of satin finish on your on your blade. Um. And so I use that to clean up a blade. So, so my etching process, I'll start in the ferric or something like that, just to clean. I'll, I'll do like a 10 second etch just to make sure the blade is actually clean. If there's anything that needs to come off the blade, maybe there's a residue from the acetone or I accidentally got some nail polish at the bolster transition, uh, on the blade or on the steel, then I can go back in, clean that off, take care of that. I'll go and I'll just do little test etches until everything's clean. But to pull that back off, You know, it's it's a very shallow etch, so I probably could use like a 2000 grit sandpaper, but I have that rubber abrasive right there, and so I just use that to scrub everything down, and what's great about it is that it's a continuous abrasive versus a sandpaper, you gotta keep switching out and stuff, and eventually you have to like get cut off on, on a little another block, or use a different part of the rubber abrasive. Um, But you can get into little nooks and crannies and corners and into fullers and other, like, funky little weird areas. You can sculpt it to get into tight corners and stuff like that, uh, which is really nice. And then from there, I go into my coffee. And Mm. if I've done everything right up to that point, it comes out of coffee looking great. Um, And so, yeah. And these rubber erasers, you can actually find them on Amazon. Uh, I believe they're sold as Fret erasers. Um and you can get sets. Um they come in a di- couple different styles of set and there's a couple different companies that make them. Uh one starts at like 140 and it goes up to 2000. There's another that starts at like 220 and goes up to 10,000. Um they they range in price too from around $20 um to like 60 bucks. Um, and I think what you're paying for is probably like the quality of the mixture of the abrasive within the rubber. Um, Cause I have had some that have like chunks of abrasive within, instead of being like really nicely mixed, uh, mixed up. And so I think that's part of what you're pay- paying for. You can also just buy single blocks. Again though, the, you would just look for like a rubber abrasive block something like that if you just google that or search on amazon you should be able to find that but again i like i like to work at around 320 or higher um i found i have found that if you go beyond 600 it's kind of a waste um because nothing the cutting action isn't the same nothing's really happening um and so yeah that's okay
3: okay cool cool Jeff, why don't you tell us all about your grinder, and I'll line up one more question before we uh, we call it. I
2: use the Broadback and Ironworks 2x72 grinder, and I love it. It's very user-friendly. It uh, goes horizontal, vertical. They have all sorts of platens and attachments that will make your the work that you need to do easier if you're a knife maker if you're a metal worker if you're a woodworker this is the grinder for you if you're removing material go get yourself one of them and if you have a different type of chassis you can also retrofit their attachments which are always really good um, and uh, I love them so you go to you go to com and their promo code is back to knife talk 10 for 10% off because I guess you guys didn't figure out all the different things or so, who knows what happened So knife talk 10 get yourself 10% off on the packages get yourself 10% off on the uh, on the uh, uh, Accessories and stuff like that and I'm under the impression and we're gonna see if Sean is listening 51 Bravo sent me a message We're gonna see if he's actually listening to this podcast He wanted to let me know that the Great Lakes rendezvous will be on Where is it? I don't know. It's going to be, uh, it doesn't even say where the date is, for Christ's sakes, but it's going to be sponsored by, uh, Broadbeck Ironworks. Uh, uh, Jay, Jay, um, Nielsen's going to be there. Oh, my bad. Saturday, July 22nd. Saturday, July 22nd, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, it's going to be in Michigan. Go check out, uh, go follow 51 Bravo, but I know, um, Broadbeck is going to be sponsoring it. It's going to be a lot of great stuff, uh, local artisans and vendors, and they're going to have Bill Banky's going to be there. Our friend Bill Banky and and Ryan uh, Broadbeck's going to be there, and uh, Fortune Fire guys will be there and do demos and stuff like that. So the Great Lakes Rendezvous, uh, thanks to Broadbeck for sponsoring it. We'll see if he's listening. We'll see if Sean's listening. He sent me this very <laughs> impassioned message, but I don't think I think these guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of love here. A lot of you guys ask us to say things, and you're not really listening to the show. So we're going to see. We're going to see. We're going to see if Sean's listening or not. Mm-hmm. So go follow him and go blah, blah, blah.
1: Nobody tells Sean okay. to go listen to the show.
2: Nobody either. fucking say a word, because I find out. I hear about it. I hear it when some, when some of you rats tell them. I always hear about it back about it. So.
3: Sean, if you're listening, just send Jeff an no, and all No, don't send me anything. OG. Everybody.
2: he know that you've heard. And we'll Everybody don't send me okay. nothing.
3: Uh, okay, let's do a final question. This is from Mark Smith. Um, he says, hey, guys. He said he bought a laser recently, uh, which is a very heavy purchase. Um, and he's asking about maintenance. maintenance they should know. Uh, I want to keep everything maintained well and protected. And protect our investment as best we can. It's an APSN 4024. Any suggestions? Um, I've just looked it up, actually. I can see it's a a, a CO2 laser. Um, So very different to my laser, which is a fiber laser. Um, They work very, very differently. Um, from From what I know, the maintenance is a lot more intense for a CO2 laser. So for those who don't know the difference, a fiber laser is all sort of solid state. There's no sort of... Um, it's just all electricity. Um, COT, they use like a a gas-filled tube and it's got mirrors both ends and one's reflective and they send a light beam through it and all sorts. Um, So you've got to be careful you have this literally a a little tube of gas. So you've got to be very careful with it. Um, With regards to maintenance, I really don't know, I'm afraid. Um, I've I've never really used one. Um, Speak to the manufacturers is all I can say. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to see more and more people again using CO two lasers for steel. Whereas at one point people were like, "Oh, they're not the best thing for steel." It's more for sort of organic stuff, whether it be plastics, leathers, and that kind of thing. Um, people used to use like sprays on on a steel because um, basically they don't work well with reflective uh, surfaces. Mm. So people would spray like a matte coating on it and then use a CO two laser. But I know that more modern ones they can handle it really well. Um, difference is with the co2 laser they they take a lot more power than a fiber laser would um so if it's something you're running for you know a number of hours a day that would impact you know your your electricity bills by a fair fair amount um but yeah with maintenance i don't know i'm afraid don't know um i'm assuming you're gonna have a lens like you would with a fiber laser um keep that lens clean if you could have some sort of exhaust system to move any um any of those nasty exhausts going straight up to the lens because they will um, cloud up that lens quite quickly. Um, yeah, exhaust them out. Keep that lens clean, um, and the rest as it. Speak to the manufacturer. It's, 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 a, it's a big purchase, so yeah, speak to the manufacturer and make sure and make sure that it stays in optimal condition. Should we call Ooh. it a day? Okay. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. Mm. There we go. How are you both <sighs> feeling? Better.
2: You uh, got through it better, That's better. i got a little bit i get a little bit I get a little extra spicy uh towards uh, our friends in the podcasting industry and i apologize that- so
3: <laughs> i love the fact that you say i mean it doesn't bother me you always say but then your voice gets well this is uh, <laughs> and
2: you guys, up a few octaves guys, every time <laughs> let's pull down the third wall at some point your podcast has to be interesting so changing in, in in uh you know frequencies of your voice and modulation is what gets people subconsciously you know far more interested and if i get fired up about it you know it's i got to we got to make this show interesting too. We can't just talk about tomahogany for Christ's sakes all the time. Yeah,
3: <laughs> we covered a lot. We covered a lot. We went today, through the gamut. We're talking we about pussy.
2: We're talking about Tomahogany <laughs> You know, <laughs> fucking dicks out, shaving your pubes, everything. <laughs> we hit it all, guys. We've got it
3: all. Got it all on this show. I mean, exactly. You can't make it exactly. up lasers. We're
2: talking about late. I mean, you can't. You can't get more of everything than you can with this podcast. It's a broad slice Fucking of life. Fucking a- yeah, right it is. Are. Yeah,
3: yeah. I do. I do. I, wa- I do want
1: to <laughs> say to Ryan Coakley, you're you're not one of the flea bags. Ryan actually, I met him at Blade Show, and he sent me a message about trying to help cover the show, and that's what I forwarded to Craig. But I don't. You're not one of the flea bags. And 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 Kyle, I'm sorry, Kyle. That was my idea to po- do that post, and you got your ass busted for it. So
2: wow, <laughs> you were the yeah. So well, I mean, number one, you know. There is, if I use the expression flea bag as, I mean, it is a term of endearment. I mean, the original, right. I've to, I don't know if I've told this before or not, but back in the day when I was uh, a sculptor and I, I, I had a shop and I would do some work for the, the landlord who was also my boss and he was uh, also in the, you know, he would sell rugs. At uh, these events. So he asked me to help him move some rugs, and all of a sudden we saw these fucking fleas. What are these things jumping around? And it was fleas. I'd never seen fleas before like this. It was like you could see them jumping around. So I came home and I was like, You're never going to believe what we did. We were moving all these rugs, and the fucking fleas. On, fleas jumping around. And Hillary says, You have fleas? And I said, I don't think I have fleas. And she goes, you're a flea bag, and then and then she said to me at one point. She said, "I was talking, and she said, say it, don't.' I guess I was spitting or something like that. You know, when you're talking very, you know." And she goes, "Say it, don't spray it, flea bag." And the the best part was, is for a birthday gift she got me. An, this is years ago. She got me an iPod Mini, and she had it engraved. Say it, don't spray it, flea bag. <laughs> so, I was always the original flea bag, and I wanted to use an expression that was relatively innocuous as opposed to calling someone an asshole or a douchebag or something like that. I like flea bags. So, like, I call everybody yeah. flea bags, but I'm the original flea bag. So, in my mind, it isn't that bad. And yes, Ryan Coakley probably is a flea bag, you know, so it's like, <laughs> but that's not the <laughs> worst thing in the world. I'm not calling him yeah. t- something terrible. Yeah. You know, so
3: okay. Well, Fleabag was a um, a TV show in the UK, um, really successful, won lots of awards, all that kind of thing. A comedy TV. I'm show.
2: sure. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're not going to tell me like Fleabag is like <laughs> UK for like your testicles yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he got no. kicked in the flea bag and <laughs> kicked in the flea bag again. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, those when you're sitting no. down, you cross those legs, you got to watch the old flea bag. <laughs> so.
3: Yeah. Well, I, you know what, we should make a, I should make a list of all these, like, because we've mentioned a few today, these, like, Americanisms that we say and Britishisms that you probably wouldn't understand. I'm sure there's a big... Can I ask a question?
2: When an American says an English expression with their American accent, do you cringe a little bit? Uh, give me an example. Oh, I just had this dinner. It was terrible. It was shite. Oh, man, I worked my arse to the bone today. Does that, like, is that as cringy as it is to me?
3: Oh, shite. I think, I think, I mean, shite's a very sort of, I wouldn't say shite anyway. It's a very northern thing, northern UK thing. Um, No, no. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier that sort of. Internationalization right. of everything now. Where we all watch the same stuff. Our kids speak with American accent. They, they pass the water. I'm like, what? What are you saying? You know? Um So yeah, and, and in fact, lots of the French over here, when they speak English, they would all speak with the, with an American accent because that's how they've learned English huh. from watching the likes of Netflix and things mm. like that. Yeah. Hey, I'm walking here. Get <laughs> you a baguette. That's your that's your best <laughs> that's your best word. It's the only one I know. That and the coffee thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Too- but um.
2: Two Come points. On, One is I hate it when Americans say "no worries" That that Australian accent. Oh, no worries. Hmm. I've been saying that for yeah. years. It's like I forgive you for something that you shouldn't have even have to apologize for. I don't know what it is, but like when an American says "oh, no worries," it's like I didn't ask for forgiveness, and you're giving me you're you're like you're yeah. you're giving me your forgiveness. I didn't ask for. I didn't apologize. That drives me crazy. But not that crazy. The other thing is, is when I was in Barcelona, I started to notice that. I drank a lot of coffee and none of it mm. was very good. Like the to go <laughs> coffees. Really? The to go coffees not n- none of them were, were as good as coffee you get in the United States. Really? None of them yeah. were strong. Oh, wow. no, none of them were strong at all.
3: Jeez, you know, what, you need to try the, the French coffees then because they have very strong coffee. Here, I mean, very. but we do, we do, we don't have those walk-in coffees, you know, they've seen big cities. We don't have them around at all. So you know, you'd have to go to a restaurant or whatever, and they'd, they'd give you a uh, coffee. But they're generally, you could stand a spoon in them. They're super, super strong. I mean, I
2: could be wrong. I just know the lattes that I were having were just pretty, you know, non... I mean, it was like they were like, oh, here's the Americans here. Make sure there's extra water in it or something like that. I was <laughs> super weak. I was
1: kind of surprised. Mm. Craig, I heard some news or saw some news that I thought you would think is pretty exciting. About the yeah. submarine? no okay uh it's about taylor swift and that she's got a euro tour coming up this next year and she's got yes we've
3: pre-registered we've and in and in cardiff my hometown too yeah so we've registered for pre-registered because it's it's crazy how how the tickets and systems working because there's such a demand um, that they're doing it like um, almost like a, a marathon, where you you pre-register and then they'll have a lottery to see if you if you mm. if you can then buy a ticket. Interesting. Um, yeah, so there's no guarantee you're going to get a ticket, which is which is a real shame. So yeah, we've put ourselves in for the lottery for Cardiff. That seems like town, the fairest Harris. way to do that, though, right? Probably, yeah, probably is. But that just shows what a crazy demand right. that is, doesn't it? You know, playing you know eighty thousand people stadiums for multiple nights you know, in all the major cities and there's still this crazy demand where people are worried they won't get tickets. Right. Why is it such a hot ticket item
2: to Taylor? So if you don't mind me asking,
3: I think that in 30, 50, 60, a hundred years time, people will still be singing her songs. I think she's, I think she's incredible. She's, she's shape-shifted into all these different genres and each time, you know, she's writing her own music. She's very talented and, um, yeah, I'm. I'm a big hmm. fan. Hmm. I think my Mar- was Mar- 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 yeah, too. I
0: think I'm a fan.
2: Yeah. So you yeah. would like buy the album or stream uh, music? I'd
3: stream a stream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You it, yeah. so you're oh, yeah, in a definitely. Taylor
2: Swift mood? You just put on a little uh, whatever songs are. I did. Yeah. I did that yeah. yesterday. Well, you did.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Huh. That's yeah. awesome.
3: And particularly the, the the later stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of acousticy, mellowy stuff, and sort of, sort of, sort of moody stuff. It's, no, it's not the pop stuff that she was doing back in there. You know, when she was sort of eighteen, nineteen, she's matured, and uh, she's yeah. Get on, get on board, hey, Jeffrey. Look, she's sticking her fanny out. You're doing whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's got a pretty fanny oh,
2: too. Oh, <laughs> wow, lady. Me... So there we go. Have mercy, go. have mercy, ladies and germs.
3: <laughs> we need to talk about this submarine. Jeff just mentioned it. It was giving me nightmares. Really? Oh, man. The thought of being in this tiny little vessel, knowing that your oxygen is running out with, as Jeff has already mentioned, people shitting six inches away from you. It's, oh, the stuff of nightmares.
2: It was horrendous and terrible, Mm. and I, I honestly felt that it shouldn't have happened, obviously the yes, The resources yeah. involved in trying to rescue this these people but the craziest part about the whole thing is the stepson of one of the people trapped
3: he was at the blink he went concert crazy
2: <laughs> he started texting or, or, or tweeting that he's going to be at the Blink-182 show while his stepfather is at the bottom of the ocean, you know, mm-hmm. smelling each other's farts and, you know, all this, eating a bologna sandwich. And he, and wow. everyone was giving him criticism. He's like, well, you know, my family would want me to be happy. And this is how I, this is how I, you know, and then he was tweeting at Blink-182 saying, hey guys, my de- my stepfather's on the bottom of the ocean. I'm hoping you can make me feel better or all the it was so bizarre. Oh, that was, and that yeah. was what made me really want them to be saved. Because in my mind, I'm just like, the guy's gotta be saved. He's gotta be brought back. He's gotta get a full recovery. And then he's gotta be shown the timestamp of when his asshole stepson <laughs> was at a Blink 182 <laughs> show. Meanwhile, he's down at the bottom of the ocean. shitting in a box next you know overflowed box probably and like what kind of fucking stepson is this It's like and then I wanted him to like divorce the mother immediately (laughs) like you got to get rid of them all you got to get rid of them all I mean it's just it's a terrible terrible story but I that was
3: the one time I was really rooting for the billionaires I wanted revenge on the stepson you know what I found really strange was if these weren't billionaires that were stuck at the bottom, what well, we thought stuck at the bottom of the ocean, um, there would be a bit more of a, oh, my God, this yeah. is terrible. But the amount of stuff that I saw, just like, oh, well, another few billionaires, you know, the world's better place now. And I'm just like, really? Just because they're billionaires, as if they're less value to society and all the rest I don't know I just found it really weird people's reaction to it you know as if like you know almost as if they deserved it. yeah Some that was gross thinking, that's yeah, gross really that's super strange, gross really strange a couple yeah. of the
2: uh, other things are if even if even if they weren't stuck at the bottom of the ocean and if they just like you know floated away mm-hmm. they there's no way of getting out you have to be removed from the outside like it's a bolted together from the outside so even if it was like floating yeah, along yeah, yeah, bobbing yeah. along they're, they're still trapped, regardless of where they are. It's just everything about it just seemed like... Why, I don't understand why you would put yourself in a position of this such incredible unsafety. Yeah,
3: and there's so many people coming forward now saying, I should have been on there, and they're using that as a I know, that's so it. gross. You know, I, oh, I away knew away with oh, that. I knew that, that oh, I knew that yeah, thing wasn't going to be good. Got, these armchair so engineers, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It just, but, it yeah a it's a terrible it's just story. The thought, just the thought of being trapped in that with time ticking your oxygen is running out is just
2: well it seems as though that it imploded which should probably be a little bit more of a you know humane yeah, way to
3: go and i think so yeah 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 it's so terrible it's case, just so everything
2: yeah. about it is so gross and i, I feel so terrible yeah. about it but that steps on me. he's got a, I, mean, I mean yeah that's a, a wacko <laughs> god i need to rock out to blink 182 to wash my f- sorrows away <laughs> any 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 uh any thoughts on the submarine thing, Mareko? Uh,
1: so I didn't know any of that was I was when I was in Hawaii. I was kind of off social media, basically completely. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I think I was landing back in Seattle, I had I saw somebody post about something, or somebody sent me a message, some sort of meme about it, and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I have no idea what this is." And over the last couple of days, I've been figuring out what it is, uh, and it is, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, it, it's been interesting seeing the reaction. Um, I think the 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 roughest thing about it is there's been so much coverage uh, about this, and I think it's has a lot to do with these rich people doing that, going on this crazy adventure, uh, and I, while I, I do think it is incredibly unfortunate that they died as a result of things going wrong on this adventure um they're still humans and loss of human life is a sad thing no matter what i think what's sad though too is that there was some uh refugee like a boat of refugees like 350 people died Mm. uh in the mediterranean there's been i i only just learned about that last night but it happened like at the same fucking time but there has been so little coverage of that um and it's just, yeah. and again, it, like the quantity of life versus lack and like, you know, five versus 350, like it's, it's all human life. And it's really sad and unfortunate that, that any of them, uh, went, uh, that way. And so I just, I hope people are keeping in mind, like, while there's a lot of sensationalism around this fucking submarine thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of gnarly shit happening around the world.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn. oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I love, I love deep,
2: deep, Honest, thoughtful thoughts from Mareko Momasi, the new Dalai Lama. No.
1: <laughs> tongue in <Definitely> mouth. not. <laughs> tongue
2: in mouth. No, t- the tongue stays in the mouth. Don't worry. I'm with you. 100%. Yeah. God bless. Yeah, you're right. You're crazy. absolutely right. It is. We, we pick and choose based on the, our interest levels. And like, yes. it's the people who are on that sub. It was like, it's like when those uh, kids were trapped in, the, in that uh, weird cave in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. It's like... These certain things are interesting and others aren't. And this was like, this was yeah. like our feelings towards the billionaires and the you know, the fact that they're in this little capsule on the bottom of the ocean. And what are you doing? It is, you're absolutely right. Meanwhile, there are real people suffering and why aren't we giving them attention?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Okay, next week we go heavily into the um what's happening in Russia at the moment. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> to, 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 topical news. <laughs> We've refill. hit every spot. Right. We have. Thank you all for listening. It's been a good show. We shall speak to you again next week.
0: Bye for now. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for 1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for 2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.